We got by all over the place. I went everywhere. There was a festival in Las Vegas that was canceled due to the wind. Maybe Quint Ewers can blame his three interception day on the win in Texas's loss uh, there in Stillwater. Quinshawn Judkins surpassed Nick Singleton as the RB1 in the freshman class. DJ Uyunglele was benched. They even put Connor Wegman in for Texas A&M. What is the world coming to? We're going to get into all of that, all of that. But before we do, this is College Fantasy Tonight, presented by CampusToCanton.com. If you like the content that we're putting out here, go ahead and hit that like button. I'll wait. Subscribe to the channel, of course. We start every College Fantasy Tonight with the rundown. That means I should hear the music in my headphones. I have no snare in my headphones. There we go. There we go. Now I have snare in my headphones. Let's start the night with Iowa uh, at Ohio State. They go to the horseshoe. We knew that Ohio State would win this game. It was just a matter of by how much. They were favored by 29 and a half by the time the game starts. That's a lot of points, but they cover 54 to 10, even on a bad day. C.J. Stroud goes uh, 20 for 30, 286 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. They did stop the running game today at Iowa. Travion Henderson, just 38 yards on the ground, one catch for four yards. Mayan Williams, 10 for 19. He did add a touchdown. Some of the self-proclaimed experts said that you should start Travion Henderson today. You know, I said that we should sit him because of the split with Mayan Williams because they were facing um, uh, uh, Iowa today, that tough defense, you know. Every once in a while, a score, a squirrel finds a nut. Jackson Smith and Jigba plays in this one, but he's just one for seven. Marvin Harrison Jr. continues to be impressive, this time performing against a better defense, seven for 62 and one touchdown. Emeka Abuka, let's look out for his name in the class of 2024, six for a, six for 80 and one touchdown. Julian Fleming, long touchdown in this one, two for 105. And one, you're not starting anybody on the Iowa side. Uh, Sam Laporta, however, did have six for 55. The important thing to note is that Caleb Johnson, the freshman running back for Iowa, seems to be taking over the reins. So you're going to want to have him rostered. Check your waiver wire and fan tracks and see if he's still out there. He's going to have at least three years to develop in the starter. If you're starting or getting a majority of the uh, uh, backfield market share as a freshman, that's a player that you're going to want to pay attention to, despite how bad, despite how bad that offense is. So go ahead and pick up Caleb Johnson if he is out there. Of course, uh, Ohio State's defense outscores Iowa's offense that only scored three points today. Alex Padilla started the second half and promptly fumbled the football on the snap. He did not. He didn't. Do, he did just as well as uh, uh, Spencer Petrus, who threw an interception on the first play of the game. This Iowa offense and team is offensive, and quite frankly, they should be relegated to the Mountain West Conference or something, or Conference USA, or something like that. It's terrible. Um, C.J. Stroud. If it were the, if it were up to me, he would be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He has. One of the tightest spirals that we've seen. Doesn't throw as hard as Steve McNair, but his spiral reminds me a little bit of Steve McNair. Matt Bruning, let's bring you in here to talk UCLA at Oregon. This was a top 10 matchup today. Number nine, UCLA. Number 10, Oregon. We got to stop sleeping on Bo Nix. Oregon takes this one uh, 45 to 30. Bo Nix. 
five touchdowns on the day. The Ducks took this one. Yeah, it was a, a great game, which we all kind of expected, right? We had talked a little bit about how both these defenses were lacking in certain areas and they could match up well in this, and they did. UCLA scored more points than I thought they were going to. Um, but in the end, I think this was a little, the score looks closer than it really was. Oregon handled this game. Let's start on the UCLA side here. Dorian Thompson Robinson came down to earth a little bit. We talked about he probably wasn't going to be able to run against a very good rushing defense for Oregon, but the way to get against them was passing. Just 259 yards through the air, does get two touchdowns, only the one interception. Most of that going to Jake Bobo, who continues to have an incredible year for the Bruins. He gets 101 through the air with one touchdown. But really, I've got to give a huge shout-out to one of our co-founders here, Colin Decker. We have, I mean, you talk about being mocked and ridiculed all the time on Mayan Williams. We have like buried Colin like 12 feet deep on Zach Charbonnet. And man, has that guy been good this year. And that continued again against a very good rushing defense in Oregon. 20 for 154 and one adds four receptions for 28 yards. I mean, I, we keep talking about, I even had, I even had him as my sit today because he was facing that top 10 defense. I thought Oregon was going to be able to shut him down. Yeah, They were not going to be able to, I I were not able to. I don't know if we talked about him on the ranking summit, but I know last year, Colin, I, he's taken a lot of heat for having him like up in his top 24. I mean, I think there's a real argument that he could be RB three or four off the board with a lot of NFL people talking about how much they like the way he plays. Like it's going to be very interesting to see if he continues to produce this well for UCLA, but major props to him for, for sticking with that guy for two years with all the crap we've given him. On the Oregon side, you mentioned Bo Nix. An amazing game here. 283 through the air, five touchdowns. Does add 51 on the ground. He just looked in complete command of this offense. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, through the, On the ground, Bucky Irving has himself a pretty good day. 106 yards um, and 57 through the air. Troy Franklin, though, is the big one. A massive game from 132 yards and two touchdowns. He's a guy that, uh, you know, one of the guys here, Kevin Coleman, was on last year. I talked about him with Mike Valerie and Nate Marquise. About, I thought Oregon's offense was going to be good, and he was going to have that breakout year this year. He's on trend for that. He's he's over 600 yards receiving now in the air, I believe, five touchdowns. Mike Valerie's put together a list of those those wide receivers in their second year. You want them to see go over 900 yards, and I believe it's nine touchdowns as I consider that, that second-year breakout. Troy Franklin's on that route, and I think he's going to get it because this offense has just been extremely explosive. It's And I think a lot of it has to be in credit to people said that it wasn't going to work out with Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix, and they've put it together. Those two have worked well together. Maybe it was an Auburn thing. Maybe we need to stop sleeping on what this could mean, them going to play lesser competition in the Pac-12. I think they've got a realistic shot to win the Pac-12. Oregon uh, freshman running back Jordan James gets a TD in this one. On the UCLA side, a couple of notes here. Zach Charbonnet is going to the NFL after this season. You want to have Chip Kelly running back. And it seems like it's going to come down to, in 2023, it's going to come down to the junior. He will be a senior, Ken Jones. Keegan Jones is a smaller player. Pick up this freshman, TJ Harden, Tamarian Harden. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is what, 6'2", 220 pounds? Well, TJ Harden is 6'2", 210 pounds, a three-star freshman. Pick him up if you want to have UCLA's running back next season. Matt, you also covered Mississippi State at Alabama at this one. Alabama bounces back. The two best quarterbacks uh, in the country, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, they had bad games today. But even on a bad night, 
Bryce Young looked pretty damn good carrying that team. Yeah, I, I would argue Bryce Young did not have a bad game. I may, maybe the stats say that. I don't know why people are saying that on Twitter, but Bama comes away with this thirty to six. And if it if it it's crazy to say it wasn't even that close. Uh, Mississippi scores on literally the last play of the game. It's Aquavius Marks rushing touchdown there. He ends up with just 53 yards on the ground. This defense came and shut them down. We talked a little bit about it on the tailgate this morning. Uh, you, you had me watch Mississippi State-Kentucky last week for College Fantasy tonight. And I talked about how Kentucky was getting into that backfield. They were just destroying Mississippi State's line and causing all kinds of issues for Will Rogers. We talked about it this morning saying, if they could do that, what are Will Anderson and Dallas Turner going to be able to do? Well, they put pressure on Will Rogers all day. 60 attempts in this one. Just 231 yards. Has negative 27 rushing. He just had no time to do anything. Ra-Ra Thomas... It was the best on the day with 73 yards, but none of, nobody really got going here for Mississippi State. Though they did score a touchdown. First touchdown they've scored in Tuscaloosa, and I believe, since 1993. So, you know, at least they come away with some positive there, being able to put up a touchdown here in Tuscaloosa. You mentioned Bryce Young, and they're saying he had a bad day. I mean, 249 through the air, two touchdowns, sure. If you're talking about fantasy, still get you 23 points. It's more than Quinn, and you're got you. I mean, it was a good day for Bryce Young. He was running for his life in this backfield and making plays. He had a touchdown pass to, I believe it was Trayshawn Holden in the second quarter, where he's literally just running around, defenders chasing him, and he just points and tells Trayshawn Holden to run to the side and fire is a dart. That was yards. Jojo Earl. That was, the that was Jojo, Jojo Earl. I can't remember Earl. if it was Jojo yeah. or Trayshawn, but yeah. And to Jojo Earl, it was a dart on off platform. Great throw right to the back of the end zone. I mean, look, Bryce Young, he's got all the intangibles, but I think his best weapon is his mind, and we saw it, I think, really on display in this game. Jameer Gibbs shut down a little bit in this one, though. Just 37 yards on the ground, 33 yards up. Did take a big hit uh, in this one. Does get a touchdown on the ground. You mentioned JoJo Earl. He gets his touchdown just 38 yards. Jermaine Burton, who, for those of you who may miss, had a little bit of off-field controversy last week with the with the Tennessee storming the field incident. Uh, Nick Saban said that he feels he didn't do anything wrong. He's not going to be suspended. Gets 40 yards in this one. Ja'Cory Brooks continuing to get more and more playing time and more and more yards. Now, it was just three receptions, but 74 yards. He's been playing good for Bama. I, again, I think he's going to end up – we talked a little bit about him last we week with John Bob. For JoJo Earl and Ja'Cory Brooks – to start emerging in this offense, and they're starting to do so. Do so. Isaiah Bunn just one for eight in this one. I still think that he is a buy. Um, on the Mississippi State side, at the very least, we see the differences in spread systems. Tennessee last week faces Alabama, very much a vertical, down-the-field system. Will Rogers today had however many attempts. He averaged less than, what, six yards per attempt? Yeah. It's a very, it's a horizontal sideline to sideline offense. So not all spread systems are created equal. Mississippi State had nothing for Alabama today. Yeah, it was a bad, bad performance. Bad, 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 bad performance. Bad, uh, bad. All right, Matthew, let's uh, let's bring Colin Decker in here. Another bad, bad performance was DJ Ui Ungalele whose three turnovers uh, led to Clemson having the lead through a lot of this one. Now, Clemson would come back, but come back with Cade Klubnick under center, uh, uh, Colin. Clemson was favored by 14 in this one. They did not cover, but they did get the W. Yeah, so, you know, big story here is DJU getting benched for Klubnick, who comes in and leads a touchdown drive uh, on his first drive. And, you know, Clemson comes back, wins this game. The headline's going to read, Klubnik leads a comeback win. But honestly, he did not look that much better than DJU. Uh, he struggled in this one as well. 
He went two for four for 19 yards, had a couple of bad misses. He got some work with his legs there, six carries, 15 yards. Um, you know, so that helped a little bit there. DJU stat line here in this one, like we talked about, really struggled 13 of 21, 138 yards, two picks, uh, 18 carries for 13 yards. He had that fumble too, right in the red zone that really cost them a lot of momentum in this game. They scoop and score for Syracuse here. Uh, and Clemson had to ride the run game in this one. 260 plus yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Will Shipley had a huge, huge day. 172 yards, two touchdowns. Contributes, uh, you know, 17 yards through the air as well there. Even backup Phil Maffa has a big day. 94 yards and a touchdown as well. 18 carries. 18 carries for Phil Maffa. 18 carries for Maffa, 27 for Shipley. So 45 carries between the running backs there. Uh, that's really the story of the day here. Now, um, Syracuse's defense did make some big plays without their top corner in this one. And that's really what kept them in this game. They had two interceptions, two fumble recoveries. They had a touchdown on that as well. Uh, they had that scoop and score. That was huge. The biggest question for me with Syracuse here is what were they doing offensively? They just stopped giving Sean Tucker the ball, despite he, him averaging 10 yards a carry. He has five carries for 54 yards. Before this game, his career low in carries was 13. He has 10 touches total in this game, and he's your star on offense here. Uh, you you got to think if they had done something a little bit differently here, maybe this game ends up uh, in Syracuse's favor here. Uh, but Garrett Schrader had a decent day, 18, 26, 167 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, he did Garrett Schrader things on the ground with 71 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, and then your guy, Aronde Gadsden uh, Jr., <laughs> six catches, 86 yards. He is absolutely emerging as a top option here in this offense. Son of who? Son of who, Colin? Son of Aronde Gadsden of the Miami Dolphins. You're damn right, and don't you forget it and a, a window had opened to sell dj Uyunglele. i said it on the on matt waldman's rsp cast we've said it on all of our shows on campus life on debbie debate all of our shows that it was a window to sell dj Uyunglele. that window has closed has closed has slammed shut even if he starts next week you're not going to be able to get the value uh that you would have been able to get for him with all of the draft Knicks saying that they had seen him improve, et cetera, et cetera. Um, probably can't trade him now. Absolutely. Colin, you also covered, speaking of highly pro, high profile quarterbacks, you also covered Texas and Oklahoma state for us. Uh, Texas was favored by six and a half who's on the road in Stillwater, 34 to 41. Quint Ewers, three picks. Yeah, Oklahoma State knocks off Matt Bruning's Texas Longhorns here in this one, uh, and they trailed in the fourth quarter, uh, 27-34, mounted a very nice comeback there. Uh, Quinn Ewers really struggled here in this one, and, you know, decent stat line there uh, in terms of yardage, uh, 319, he had the two touchdowns, but three interceptions, two of which uh, were pretty much his fault there, and a terrible completion percentage there, 19 of 49. Uh, he just he really struggled here in this one. Now, that last interception uh, to end the game was not really on him. Uh, he hit JT Sanders, the tight end, pretty much right in the face mask, uh, and he drops that one. So that one's not on him, but he just did not play. Jatavian would have caught that pass. Jatavian would have caught that pass. <laughs> JT gotta go back to Gotta go back to Jatavian here. Um, but Quinn Ewers was... Struggled missing high and, and overthrowing people all day here in this one. And I don't know, maybe it was the win, 
We'll see. But the Texas Road Bijan here in this one as well. 24 carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown. He was doing everything that we expect him to have. Uh, very nice 41-yard touchdown catch there as well. Did not get involved in the passing game quite like we thought he would. I know uh, his receptions prop was a popular one on prize picks there. Uh, but instead, it's, it's uh, Xavier Worthy, 7 for 78 and a touchdown. And JT Sanders, 6 for 76, doing most of the work through the air here in this one. And then just, you know, one minor note here, Roshan Johnson. Nice long touchdown here. Uh, he's list number number 27 on um, Dane Brugler's freak list here. And Bruce Feldman. Bruce, Bruce Feldman's freak list. The other guy at the athletics. My apologies. Um we got to start maybe talking about him as a potential late round NFL guy because they just teams seem to like this guy. He seems like a real locker room guy here. Um, yeah, Oklahoma in- State was down 27 34 in the fourth in this one. We're going to talk more about this game later, but go ahead and give us the stats on the Oklahoma State side. Everybody always wants to sit my boy Dominic Richardson. Three TDs in this one, Colin. Three TDs. Three sit touchdowns. Back. Count them. And he had 24 yards total. Uh, rushing I, on this matter. one. Doesn't matter. <laughs> 13 count. carries, 24 yards, three touchdowns, though. Got him where it mattered. Um, and I think the real story here in this one is Spencer Sanders coming into the game with a shoulder injury, ends up throwing for a career-high 57 pass attempts here in this one. And 391 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He had a very nice day. And the emergence of these wide receivers was another story here. Without Jaden Bray, their top option, without um, John Bryce, Braden Johnson, the other top option here, Bryson Green has a big day. Five for 133 and one. Brendan Presley, your guy there, also has a nice day. But six for 60 and one. And true freshman Steven Johnson. Bixby, Jr. Oklahoma. Bixby, Oklahoma, stand up. Uh, Brennan Presley, the Presley family. Shout out to the Presley family. Bixby, Oklahoma, stand up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, nope. you're good. The uh, the story here in terms of the wide receivers, though, true freshman Steven Johnson Jr., six for 90 yards. And this is the wrong freshman wide receiver for Oklahoma State. Highly touted, uh, number one, t- highly touted Taylon Shetron only has one target in this one. And I think it's time to start panicking if you're a Taylor Shetron owner here. When he gets jumped by three-star number 72 wide receiver Steven Johnson, uh, we, we have to worry a little bit. Steven Johnson, a three-star prospect, 6'2", 182 pounds, and as Colin mentioned, the number 72 wide receiver in the country. Huh. Taylor Shetron, not looking so good. All right, that is the rundown. We got 10, 13 teams on by. Cut the music. Cut the music cut the music we should i should say fade the music if i say fade the music will you fade it <laughs> all right let's uh let's get to hannah page's g5 minute it's a segment with our creative lead lead our creative lead creative lead hannah page it's the g5 minute Hey everyone, this is Hannah Page with the G5 Minute. Each week, I bring you highlights from the group of five as well as major G5 producers for the day. I'd be remiss not to mention my beloved Hilltoppers. DJ Diesel, aka Shaquille O'Neal, got the party started and the tops pulled off 
a gritty 20-17 win over UAB. It is hard to pass against not only an eight-man coverage, but one of the best coverages in the nation. So you didn't see the normal aerial attack from WKU, and I really just don't think it was ever part of the game plan to begin with. Aside from the defense and Khalif Halasi's heroics, true freshman running back LT Sanders shined in place of Kai Robichaw. Reed had two rushing touchdowns while Sanders had 16 carries for 120 yards and 7.5 yards per carry. Although with 197 yards and 8.2 yards per carry, UAB's Dwayne McBride had a less than ideal day with two lost fumbles. Next up, BYU was was favored by seven ahead of the Liberty matchup, but the Flames are in a way with a 41-14 win over the Cougars. Player to note here is sophomore running back and Hawaii transfer Day Day Hunter. He had 23 carries for 213 yards, 9.3 yards per carry, and one touchdown. The 213 rushing yards were the most for Liberty since Rashad Jennings in 2008. And on the season, he's rushed for no less than 62 yards per game and has at least one touchdown in seven of eight games. But wait! There's more. The versatile back can also catch out of the backfield with a season total of 14 catches for 118 yards, 8.4 yards per catch, and one touchdown. Rice wide receiver and Nebraska transfer Luke McCaffrey, the little brother to now 49ers Christian McCaffrey, had a big day. In a 42-41 overtime win over Louisiana Tech, McCaffrey had 10 receptions for 171 yards, 17.1 yards per catch, two touchdowns, as well as three carries for 10.3 yards per carry, and one touchdown. That's 202 total yards and three touchdowns. So listen to this advanced stat line. In terms of receiving, he had a 19.12 total EPA, 90% success rate, and a 57% win probability added. Have a day, young man. And on our Did Kalen Laburn Surpass 100 Yards Again tracker, the answer is yes, he did. Against James Madison, he had 30 carries for 151 yards and two touchdowns. That'll be all for the G5 Minute. See you next week. You can catch Hannah at HannahLay91 on Twitter, and her work is available at campusdecan.com. Let's go ahead and get into the panel here, uh, Colin. Where's Matthew? Matthew. Yep. There we go. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about DJ Uwe on the Lele. Is he done, Matt? No. Tabo already said no, and I don't know why he would be lying. Like, look, I. I we talked a little bit about this in our Discord, and people said it makes no sense for DJU to go back out there. What coach pulls a player, puts another player out there, and then plays the start of the week after that? Well, Mario Cristobal did it with Tyler Van Dyke literally two weeks ago in the exact same situation. He pulled Tyler Van Dyke out in a massive game where he was struggling, puts Jake Garcia out there. Jake Garcia, I think, looked a little bit better than what Kay Klubnick looked today, but it was right before their bye week, and what happens? We're all like, oh, is Jake Garcia going to start? Are they going to go back to TVD? TVD goes back out there and has a huge game, probably the best game he's had all year. DJU is not going anywhere. They're not going to bench him, especially against Notre Dame. Do I expect, could he get benched in that game? Yeah, possibly, but they're not going to throw Kate out there 
to be his first real start against Notre Dame in that defense. And like Collins said, like, I get it. Everybody's going to hype this up. Okay, Klubnik came in. He led him to a win, but Collins is 100% right. No, he didn't. If he led him by win by handing off, then yeah, then he helped to lead them to a win. He had two passes, neither of which I think were good. He did have one amazing play. It was a two-point conversion where he bought time and threw it to the back of the end zone. I think it was his, his best play. Kolobnik's best play was getting pushed out of bounds on that fake uh, push out, and they got yeah, the personal foul. and getting the personal foul. That cost yeah. Syracuse the game, in my opinion, because they would have yeah. had that was that turned the momentum of the game. But I still think that that two point conversion was a good play. He bought a lot of time. He had a nice throw to the back of the end zone. I'm pretty sure it was to Antonio Williams. It was a great play by him. That was the best play of the game. He did not look great. He didn't look great. Also, no, I expect DJU to start in two weeks against Notre Dame, and then we'll see what happens. I'm not discounting that he could get benched again, but right now DJU is going to be the starter. Yeah, I mean, you you throwing a lot of love my way in this show, man. I got to come on uh, College Fantasy tonight here more often, apparently. But yeah, hey, I, just I mean, spread, I, we're about to talk about Quinn Ewers. Throw some love I'll, my way. It's just been a rough day. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you here. I mean, yes, DJU played terribly in this one. Uh, I I agree with Felix as well here where it was a perfect sell opportunity for you because he was starting to get some hype here, but we're seeing the exact same issues that we saw last year here. And, you know, it just kind of got compounded in this one. And he hats off to him too, because reportedly he went over to the sideline and he knew he was getting benched and said, are you ready for this to Cade before he went out there? And he was just, you know, a consummate professional out there with that, despite having a terrible performance and getting benched. I do believe Dabo when they say, when he says DJU is still their starter. Uh, I think that he just, he's not going to throw Cade Klubnik out there against Notre Dame like he touched on there too. And DJU has played well enough early in the season that I don't think they're going to turn away from him at this point. They did squeak out that win and it was not because of Cade Klubnik. I don't think Cade Klubnik gives them that much better of a chance to win at this point. So I don't think DJU is done at Clemson. Is he done as a Debbie prospect? Different story. Yeah, he's a better bench warmer than uh, Spencer Rattler with his body language and everything. <laughs> I would, I you wouldn't even have to give me a first for DJ Ungalay a couple of weeks ago. I said I would have taken a second or a third or really anything uh, uh, for him. Um, but we're going to see moving forward. They ran the ball forty-seven times between Shipley and Mafa in this one. This harkens back to their first game of the season when they played Georgia Tech, and you saw Georgia Tech's first fifteen scripted plays throwing the ball all over the place. Look what they're going to do to DJ Uyunglele moving forward. Does the coaching staff have faith in him? And you, you'll be able to tell right out of the gate. Are they putting the ball on the ground? Are they handing it off? Are they you know, trying to run read option with a guy who's not that athletic, who can't really run the ball? I think that that is what we're going to see. Clemson is going to try to run the ball and then rely on their defense to win games because – they don't have faith in DJU, and if they don't have faith in DJU, you shouldn't either. So if you can still sell him for something, I would sell him. Uh, well, Colin, we talked about Quint Ewers. You covered this game. Should we sound the alarm on him? Were we a little too premature on anointing him the Prince of Thieves or whatever it is, y'all? It's the prince that was, the prince that was promised. Get it right. <laughs> I thought y'all called him Aladdin, so let's – I love the Game of Thrones reference, Matt. I got you. Um, but, it's actually more of a Moxley thing. I just call him our king, but yeah. I mean, you. I believe you've also called him Quinn the God, and he looked a little bit more mortal. The mullet master, he did look Here in this one. Uh, 
look, you know, he we saw some of the things that we knew he needed to work on in the spring game here. He was missing some guys high. And we saw that a lot here in this one, too. He was overthrowing some guys. He was missing high. And it led to some interceptions. Like I said, the last one was not his fault. Uh, two of them were on him, though. But, I, I mean, he's still a freshman, a redshirt freshman. But he's still a freshman. You know, and this is what his third game as a starter, I believe. Fourth. So we're going to see some games like this. But throughout the game as well, you also saw some things that make him the prospect that Matt and a lot of us, a lot of other people believe that he is as well, and myself included. And so it's, you're going to have some ups and downs. I'm not sounding the alarm on him yet, but maybe we're not anointing him as, you know, the, the prince who was promised, the king, the god, yet. No, I disagree. Every king, every prince that was promised has a bad moment, and that's what today was. Was it bad? It was. It, it was not pretty at all. Colin mentioned two of those interceptions on him. I agree with him that the third wasn't. That was off his his uh, off JT Sanders' hands. Uh, but still, it was even a little bit high. That game should not have even been a game with the amount of players that Quinn Ewers missed. He missed. Uh, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head now, but it's the first time that a quarter, a Texas quarterback has overthrown their wide receivers that many times in the past decade. It was that bad. It was not a pretty game. I will give him credit in the fact that a lot of people, including myself early on, said, well, I wonder how much of this is the wind affecting his game. He came out right afterwards and said, I don't make excuses. It wasn't the wind. It was me. So a lot of, I don't know. A lot of other players don't say that. Look, it was not a great game, but I, I said the same thing about, Anthony Richardson, about even DJU earlier in the season. I'm not knocking these players for one bad game. As Colin mentioned, redshirt freshman, he's shown us moments of bad play earlier on this season. This was his first actual bad game. Why would why are we going to knock him and sound the alarms? We, I think, not just at campus to camp, but at a fantasy community to stop being so reactionary to everything. Anthony no, Richardson goes no, out there and beats no, a bad be Utah team. And we'll he's the number one pick in fantasy football. No. He's the number one pick in the NFL draft. He's the next coming of Michael Vick who can't pass. Then Quinn right. Ewers goes out there and fails today. And it's like, this guy's a bum. DJ, you move over. He saved him a seat on the on the struggle bus. <laughs> like, come on, people. Colin said. You were the, you were the main one judging Anthony Richardson after one game. No, Listen, I did not. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. This is my time to speak. You'll time to set the record straight here. I did not knock him after one game. I got mocked and ridiculed because I said I need to see more after one good game. And then look at that. He's done exactly what I said he was going to do. That's why I'm not knocking Quinn right now. Now, if he goes out there for three or four more games like Richardson did and did this, and yes, we're going to have to have a serious conversation about where Quinn Ewers goes. But right now is one bad game. I am not knocking him forth. He still made good plays in that game. Overall, it was a bad game. And I will also say, he's a horrible offensive line. And Oklahoma State made that. They showed us that in today's game. So far this week, or so far this season, we have not seen that offensive line play as bad as they did today. Those defenders were in Quinn's lap, forcing him to make decisions quick. And they, he, they showed us that he's not thinking as quick as maybe we thought he was early on in the season. He was just throwing balls, trying to get rid of them, and that led to a couple of those interceptions. I just talked about DJ Uyunglele and coaches having faith in him or not having faith in him and that being demonstrated in their play calling. Well, what did we have today in Stillwater? We had gusts between 20 and 30 miles per hour, and Quinn Ewers threw the ball 50-something times. And they got B. John Robinson in the backfield. That means that the Colts had trust 
in him. Now, the inter- one of the interceptions was high and behind. He threw high and behind in the spring game. You can't do that. One of them uh, was off of Jatavian Sanders' hand or JT Sanders' hands column. And then another right. was he was trying to – I think he was trying to throw to a running back out of the backfield. And he kind of did this side-arm thing that – Yeah, it was Bijan, which that throw showed you that he can make that throw, but it was really unnecessary. However, with even with all of that, with 5.03 left in the third, they throw a corner route to Xavier Worthy – which as good as Xavier Worthy is, he had to drop passes versus Alabama. He stumbles, and this should have been a touchdown uh, today versus uh, uh, Oklahoma State, which would have gave them the the lead. Um, if 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 Xavier Worthy stays on his feet and doesn't stumble and catches that pass, we're not even really having a conversation. These are the type of mistakes that I think a young quarterback who's a first-time starter is going to make, and we should expect them. But even in the even in the mistakes that he made, the pass to Jatavian Sanders was what? A, a laser 15, 16 yards down the field right over the middle that hits him right in his eyes? There's a lot to take from this. That's why you actually have to watch the tape or watch the games. I if you feel a certain way about Queen Ewers, there's nothing about today's game that should uh, uh, change you about this. As a matter of fact, you should be encouraged because he was still able to function in the offense, throwing a high-volume passing game despite 20, 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts. And wind can really um, hinder your offense, your passing game. Can I add one more thing on that? Before we get to Quinshawn, it's it's not it, no no I know I know it frustrates you that I love talking about him so much. There was also the sixty yard run, which I think was very impressive. Something we have not seen out of him at all. Did get called back because of holding, which is I think a pretty bad holding call, but whatever. Texas 13, 13 penalties, Oklahoma State zero in the entire game. My 15 God, penalties. fifteen penalties. My God, but I I just wanted to point that out because people say Quinn Ewers has no mobility. He he went for 60 yards easily on that play. He showed a little bit of that. I want to see more of that. Sean Clifford went for 60 yards too. So let's dial that. Sean back. Clifford's 30 years old <laughs> running against 18 year olds. I expect him to be able to run faster than some of them. Yeah. Um, moving on here to Quinshawn Judkins, who in the loss today at LSU had 25 carries for 111 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 13 yards. His uh, his the game before this when he had 25 carries for 139 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he has had one, two, three, four, five hundred yard games on the season. This three star prospect, who Matthew, you were very high on. The folks at RA Analytics were very high on. We ended we ended up having him ranked higher than Emmanuel Henderson in this particular class. But the question now is, should he be ranked higher? Then Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton has he has 200-yard games, one against Auburn and one against Ohio. But uh, uh, today, I think he had, what, 44 yards and a touchdown? That, 79 that game still... yards and two touchdowns. He had a 30-yard touchdown run two... at the very end. Okay, okay. So we went live before that game concluded. So thanks for bringing me up to speed on that, Austin. But he, you know, against Michigan, 6 for 19, 3.2 yards per carry. Against Central Michigan. Central Michigan, um, uh, Mount Pleasant stand up, 12 for 42, 3.5 yards a carry, no touchdowns. Colin, is there an argument to be made, or would you have Quinshawn Judkins ranked ahead of Nick Singleton? Oh, Stop I'm it. The Penn, I forgot. Stop it. I'm asking the Penn State guy. Stop I it. Started with well, first of all, 
Matt is Matt is the Quinshawn guy at our site, without a doubt. But I was also right there with with him on Quinshawn. I also I liked Quinshawn a lot. Um, Matt was more enthusiastic about it, but I had him ranked pretty highly as well. So I like Quinshawn Judkins. But no, stop it. Nick Singleton. Everybody had too high of expectations of Nick Singleton coming in. Everybody wanted him to be Travion Henderson and just seize this backfield. That's just not. James Franklin, we talked about it on the tailgate, and there's a lot of veteran deference with him. And we saw it with Kevon Lee. Kevon Lee's not a very good running back, and he's still continually involved. Now, he did not play in this one. So we saw a lot of Katron Allen. We saw a lot of uh, Nick Singleton tonight. And that's what this backfield needs to look like moving forward, is both of these guys getting these carries here. But he's still splitting carries with Katron Allen. They're not going to just unleash him like we wanted him to. That doesn't mean he's a bad prospect at all. He still has the breakaway speed at 210, 215 pounds that we want to see. He still needs to work on catching the ball a little bit here, but I think he shows some promise in that area. And Quinchon Judkins has been very good. Quinchon Judkins deserves a lot of praise. He's been way better than even Matt, I would assume, would have thought. But this offense that Old Miss is also is running is allowing for other multiple running backs to be efficient as well. Zach Evans has been very efficient here as well. He did not play in this one. So that's why we see Quinshawn Judkins getting more carries here. But Zach Evans is having just as good of a season. So I think a lot of this is Quinshawn Judkins is very good. This system makes him even better. Whereas Nick Singleton is very good. And I think this system and the coaching staff are holding him back a little bit. I really don't know how to answer this question. And I love Singleton. I also love Judkins. So my thing with both of these guys is I get what Colin's saying in Singleton splitting this field with Katron Allen and, and even Kevon Lee up until I think like the past two games. I don't think Kevon Lee did much in last week's game either. He wasn't out <laughs> Nobody did today. anything last yeah. week. So it, Judkins is playing better competition. He's putting up 100-yard games. He's got the better competition in the backfield, in my opinion, and Zach Evans still putting up 100-yard games. He's catching the ball, which we already knew he could do. They lined him up outside. They lined him up in the slot in high school, and he was doing that. We've talked about Nicholas Singleton. like They didn't ask him to do that much in Penn State. Probably didn't need to when he was in high school because he was the best player on the field pretty much every time he stepped on the field to play anybody he did. So if you look at that, if you look, better competition, more 100-yard games, he's he was the focal point of the offense. And even last week, Ryan knows Zach Evans had 134 yards as well. Quinshaw Judkins out carried him. The guy who's supposed to be the third running back in this 23 class and a true freshman is out carrying him out producing him. I can see the argument to move him over Judd uh, over Singleton. Like what, what makes Singleton better? Is it the breakaway well, speed? Because Judkins has that. Is it the instinctual running? Okay, I'll give you that. I do think Singleton's a little bit more of a better rusher than Quinshawn Judkins is. I I, I personally am not doing it yet because I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth and say you got to give a couple more games on these quarterbacks and then turn right around and say, well, Quinshawn Judkins is doing it and Nick Singleton isn't, so you've got to jump them. But if someone, if, if Felix, if you were to come to me tomorrow and say, hey, I'm moving Quinshawn Judkins up to my number one running back in the class, I don't really see where I can argue with you that that's not a fair argument to make. So I, I think he should be two, 
right now behind Singleton. If you want to keep Singleton there, I, I don't see much of a difference between the two right now. And I really don't, I, God, dude, this is a really hard question. I do think Judkins could end up pulling away because of something that Colin has mentioned. I don't think he's wrong here in Franklin is going to continue to make this a two headed backfield. But Felix, you said this too. This could be like a Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams uh, backfield. The problem is this could happen for three straight years where once Zach Evans leaves this year, would it surprise anyone? I know Lane Kiffin likes to use multiple running backs, but if this is not like an 80-20 split for Quinshawn Judkins, and if he goes out there and continues producing for the next two years against SEC competition with his size, his speed, his ability to run the ball, like I do think there's a chance that he could jump Singleton. I would not do it right now, though. I don't know that that scares me because we saw Nick Chubb uh, share time the majority of his career there at Georgia. I think the difference between these two players is is we came in believing that Nick uh, Nick Singleton, I almost said Nick Chubb, that Nick Singleton was the best size adjusted athlete at the running back position, really regardless of, of position. We had him at 22 miles per hour, which was the fastest amongst the, amongst the freshmen, 210 pounds. Now, I need to go back and watch the actual tape, but it looks to me that Quinshawn Judkins at this point is the better runner, the better interior runner. But, you know, when you're watching running backs, you got to see, are they follow, are they setting up blockers? Are they getting penetration in the backfield? Um, uh, uh, are, are they running zone? Or are they running gap? Are they, are they finding those cutback lanes in the zone scheme? Are they following their blockers on gap runs? Those are the things that we have to – look at and I'm not sure where Nick Singleton is I don't want to say failing but why is he not having as much success as Quinshawn Judkins is I don't I don't know I don't want to uh move they're both top 10 running backs I think I got Quinshawn at like eight and Nick Singleton has been four since the beginning of the season he hasn't really moved and I'm keeping him there for now regardless of whether maybe we need to move Kayshawn Allen Katron Allen up uh, in our rankings. I'm not necessarily moving Nick Singleton down. That is on a poll. Uh, I've asked that question. You can go check it out at Sharp Review on Twitter. I think it's something that we will continue to talk about probably on Campus Life, on Debbie Debate, and on other shows throughout the week. So make sure you are tuned. If for some reason you're listening to this, watching this, and you are not subscribed to Campus to Canton on um, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, you need to. You especially need to because we're giving away. We mentioned Bijan Robinson. We're giving away a signed Bijan Robinson jersey, a signed Jordan Addison jersey, a signed Jackson Smith and Jigba jersey. The first drawing will be this coming Wednesday on Debbie Debate at nine thirty. And if you want to see how you can get in to uh, get those, get one of those signed jerseys, then you can check out the. Uh, a seven minute podcast that was released on Monday last Monday or the YouTube video that was released on Monday. Also where, where me and Matt talked about it. I think that's it for panel. Anything else, boys that you need to talk about? Uh, just one last note on the Judkin Singleton thing. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, Singleton being this phenomenal size adjusted athlete and he absolutely is. We may have something coming soon that can let you visualize this and see it. But he compares very favorably to Saquon Barkley, to Brees Hall, whereas uh, Quinchon Judkins, his some of his closest comps, Clinton Portis is on that list. Sean Tucker's on that list. So both of these guys, very good size adjusted athletes. 
But Nick Singleton looks to be the ninth percentile, I believe, because yes. we're, we're talking about with Saquon and Brees Hall. So yes, it's it's a conversation that we'll, we've got three more years to have this conversation. That's what what's great about uh, college fantasy football C two Cs. Because then after three years, they're out of here, and we get to talk about a whole new batch of players. Not like you dynasty league, you NFL guys who can set your rankings, your running back rankings up now and have them the same for the next. Uh, uh, five years or so with with Brees Hall. Well, Bijan's going to be on that list here soon, and Jameer Gibbs is also. Colin, get out of here. Get out of here. You're done. Panel's over. It's done. Appreciate uh, Colin Decker at C2, C2C underscore Decker. I don't remember Colin's. Just, Just go C2C find him. Decker. Just C2C Decker on, on, on Twitter. One glue guys. The true glue guy here at game.com. Uh, is Colin Decker. All right, Matthew, we usually do the left coast check-in with Kevin Coleman. Kevin's out tonight, so we will talk to you. I want to start with this Kansas State TCU game. We decided to go we decided to go live before uh before that game concluded. TCU was down early. Deuce Vaughn, long touchdown in that one. Uh Adrian Martinez out, but Kansas State still was pounding TCU early. TCU started to come back. Where is that game at now? Uh, it has gone final, and TCU again came all the way back to win 38-28. to So just like last wow. week when they were down wow. double digits to uh, to Oklahoma State, then go into the second half. I don't know what Sonny Dykes is, is if he's giving them, you know, the Michael Jordan secret, uh, secret drink like they did in Space Jam, just great speeches. I don't know what it is, but they're coming out in this second half. And I mean <laughs> – TCU came out in the second half, 21 unanswered points. Kansas State did not put a point on the secret board in the stuff. third and fourth. The secret stuff? Secret, secret He's stuff. giving them That's the secret stuff? I, I couldn't yeah. remember what it was called. Yeah, the secret stuff. Uh, it was, I mean, congratulations to them. So, Howard comes in for Adrian Martinez, who got injured in this one. Will Howard goes 225 yards uh, through the air, two touchdowns, um, 31 yards on the ground. I think that's kind of where Martinez has him. Deuce Vaughn, though, ends up having a pretty good game. It's nice to see that. Vaughn's kind of been vultured a lot by Adrian Martinez um, rushing. When Will Howard came in, we really kind of saw Deuce Vaughn take off. But on the TCU side, me, Max Dugan ends up getting three touchdowns, 280 yards. We saw Quinshawn uh, – Quinn. God, my goodness. Quentin Johnston struggled in the entire first half. I believe he had like one catch for nine yards, ends up four for 74 and one. Uh, the tight end, Jared Wiley, also gets 74 yards and a touchdown. Kendry Miller, 153 yards on the ground, two touchdowns in this one, just absolutely dominated in the second half. Massive win for TCU. I mean, this was one of their toughest tests. They're on... They're on the road to being the team in the in the Big 12 and possibly competing for a Big 12 championship here in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of reasons to be suspicious about that secret stuff, given that it was handwritten uh, on notepad and then taped to, or taped to a, uh, a Gatorade a Gatorade bottle. Space Jam one much better than Space Jam two. Unfortunately, um, let's let's move over here to Washington and California Pac-12. After dark, my boy Michael Penix Jr., he's leading the country in passing. And when we hear about this quarterback three conversation, when we talk about Will Levis, we talk about Hendon Hooker, I never hear anyone say Michael Penix Jr. is absolutely one of the best uh, college quarterbacks in the country. Aggressive downfield passer. He is absolutely fearless. He just has an injury history. How now? I hope you're gonna you're gonna follow this up 
was saying that Michael Penix Jr. is playing well and that he has two or three touchdowns already. How is Washington looking on the road uh, at California? Yeah, Pac-12 after dark, you probably just wanted to go to sleep. Uh, this has not been a great game. It is six to nothing. About to go into halftime. Uh, your boy Michael Penix, 17 of 22 for 148 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's efficient. Uh, been okay. Efficient. Oh, efficient. yeah, yeah. No, no, he's he's been efficient. He's been okay. Um, not what you would expect, though, going against Cal. I mean, I know they're three and three, but they're really kind of one of the worst teams, not just in the nation, but in the Pac-12 in general. Um, not really playing well. Nobody's doing well in this game. Even Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, who have both had really good years so far. Roma Dunze, just one catch for nine yards. Jalen McMillan, five for 46. On Cal, really the only player we care about is Jaden Ott. He's got six carries for 15 yards right now, does have one catch for 18 they're not really doing much. 78 yards passing from Plummer. It's it's not been a good game. I have, have not got a chance to put a ton of eyes on this. They are about to go. They're 50 seconds away from halftime. Cal is driving down the field, though. Uh, looks like this has been a defensive struggle on both sides of the ball. We've seen funny things happen in the NFL over the past couple of seasons. Uh, Bailey Zappi gets a start after both Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer go down. We had last season where Ian Book, the Notre Dame uh, rookie, Got a start. I think Michael Penix Jr. is one of these guys that he'll get on a roster. He'll be a fifth, sixth round draft pick. And he'll get on a roster. And if you find him starting, he may just take advantage of that position. Maybe we'll see Sam Howe with uh, uh, with with Washington uh, uh, with Carson Wentz injured for a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll see him see what he looks like as a rookie if he can take over for Taylor Heineke at some point. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Michael Penix Jr., in a deeper dynasty league, I would have him rostered. And definitely in super flex, league, super flex leagues, if I could stash him on a on a taxi squad, I would do it. Is there a reason to talk about San Diego State and Nevada? Nevada is one of the worst teams in the country. San, nope. San Diego State isn't that far behind. They, um, it's 13 nothing right now. Um, they neither team has uh gone over 100 yards passing or rushing, so no, not really. Uh, Shane Illingsworth crap has not even passed for 50 yards. Uh, nobody on, on Nevada's side has done anything safe for San Diego State, unfortunately. Nothing going on. All right, Matt, you ready to close out the show? Let's do it. Let's talk about next week's storylines. You know, next week we should have actually have music underlying. It would be really sweet if we had music underlying this. Utah and Washington State, they get started on Thursday or Friday night. Cam Ward versus Cam Rising. That is must-see television. It should be a really great game. Cam Ward coming back, hopefully. Um, I think he's playing fairly well. This season got a little bit better every single week. And by massive winning Matt, your your audio is going in and out. Yes, it, Cam Ward's going to be back. He's yeah, one of the yeah, best improvisers in the country right there with uh, Bryce Young. Doesn't yes. have the arm talent that Bryce Young has, but that no. is must-see television. I'm sorry. What were you going to add? You're good now. It was probably because of the music that you said you wanted, and I started playing it. I do so want probably the music. I have, no hair in my, music. I have no snare in my headphones. Where's the snare? Well, I dropped the music because you said that I, I wasn't sounding good. Um. Anyways. Yeah, Cam Rising, Utah had a great game last week against USC. I am very excited to see what they look like against this Washington State team. And again, Cam Ward as well. We consider Utah to have one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. I'd like to see what he looks like as he's, you know, getting all this first-round draft buzz all of a sudden. I don't know that he comes out this year, but I would like to continue to see him improve. Big 12 matchup, Oklahoma State, they get that win against Texas today. They take on Kansas State, even though Kansas State loses, still has big, uh, big, Big Big 12 
implications. Yeah, I mean, with TCU winning, they're now the only team left in the in the Big 12 that is undefeated. So any of these teams with one loss still have a chance to compete for the Big 12 championship. And whoever wins this game, I think, is going to be on the train of that. You know, I thought Texas would have a chance, but their loss today practically knocks them out. We know Oklahoma's not in it. Kansas losing doesn't help them. So it could come down to whoever wins this game. Well, if they win out, is going to end up getting to play TCU again. Now, both have lost to TCU for a chance to win a Big 12 championship. Massive game. You know, Spencer Sanders coming into this game against Texas today, we thought was beat up, dealing with the shoulder injury. Looked fine to me in all that win. He passed for almost 400 yards, and I believe Collins had almost 60 attempts. So it's going to be a very, very intriguing game. Big question will be, will Adrian Martinez be back, or Kansas State have to rely on Will Howard again? You know, the— I was thinking who are the NFL, potential NFL players, the guys that have Debbie value in this game. Deuce Vaughn is one, probably a day three guy. On the Oklahoma State side, I thought it would be Dominic Richardson. I thought it would be Jaden Bray, the big wide receiver there. I don't know that there's anybody right now in Oklahoma, as good as they are playing, I don't know that there's anybody that we can confidently project to the NFL in that one. We are going to be able to – I do want to add one thing on Oklahoma State really quick. Colin mentioned it. Talon Cetron getting um, jumped. He actually didn't get jumped. He got hit really bad in this game. He got a kind of sandwich in between two defenders going up for a ball and a, a throw from Spencer Sanders. Looked like he got a pretty bad concussion. He laid on the ground motionless for about a minute or two and then got stood up, um, came off to the sideline. We never saw him go back in the game. So I don't know that he was necessarily jumped by the other freshman wide receivers. I do think it's because he took that, that knock, and that's what, what pulled him out of the game. That's a good note. Uh, Ohio State is going to go to Happy Valley and take on Penn State. The only question is is whether or not Penn State can uh, slow down Ohio State because they're not going to be able to score with them. Yeah, uh, this I think is going to be a good test for them. Iowa held firm for about a, a half in that game. Penn State's defense, I think, is right there with Iowa's mate. Their offense is definitely better. So can Sean Cliff from this offense do anything against this Ohio State defense? You know, I'd like to see Penn State give them a run for their money because Ohio State doesn't play anybody until Michigan, and I don't necessarily want that to be the time that they play the best team that they're going to play on their schedule. We'll see what happens. So is one of the reasons why I wanted to see Drew Allard get the start here. I felt like he raises that offense. I mean, Sean Clifford played well. Um, I don't think he played great in parts of the game that I saw. It will be very interesting to see what Penn State does. They, they have had magic against Ohio State. They've won some games when they were not the better team. Sean Clifford's done it before. Maybe they can do it again this next weekend. We thought Sean Clifford would be injured in this one and that he might give way to the five-star, the number one quarterback in this class, Drew Aller. That didn't happen today. So um, we will see for the rest of the season because I don't think it's going to be next week. Toledo versus Eastern Michigan for Mac West Supremacy. Toledo, Eastern, Ypsilanti stand up. I'm going to be at least paying attention to that one. Florida and Georgia. Anthony Richardson on by this week. He gets to come back and face Georgia. His first start. Uh, as a uh, redshirt sophomore last season yep. was against Georgia. He was absolutely terrible. Let's see the growth in Anthony Richardson taking on that uh, number one Georgia team. Matthew, USC, USC on the road against an upstart Arizona team. There are a lot of pieces that we like on obviously yep. the USC side, but also the Arizona side. Yeah, we saw Utah go up against this USC defense and be able to pass the ball all over them 
just a couple weeks ago and run the ball. Let's see if Jonah Coleman with the Arizona Wildcats will get the ball going. Let's see what Jaden Delora, Tet McMillan, Jacob Cowan can do. We'll Hopefully we get Jordan Addison back out there. We've still not heard anything about his injury, uh, but I would love to see him go out there against Arizona. It should be a very, very fun matchup. I would like to add on the Florida one, it's going to be very fun to see what Anthony Richardson looks like, as you mentioned, a year later. Both teams coming off a of bye as well, so Georgia getting a chance to prepare for them. Let's see if Billy Napier has changed anything about the play calling for Anthony Richardson in that game. Also in the SEC, we get the battle for quarterback three. I didn't even I didn't even know that I was going to do that. I didn't know that I was going to do that. Look at that. Kentucky at Tennessee, Hendon Hooker versus Malik or uh, Will, Will Levis. Levis. Hendon Hooker versus Will Levis. Yeah, so this will be an interesting game. Um, I kind of made I talked about earlier with Mississippi State how Kentucky's defensive line was really able to blitz that front. We talked a lot about that Tennessee-Alabama game on Better Sports and on the tailgate last weekend. Could Alabama's defensive line disrupt disrupt Hendon Hooker in that, in that Tennessee offensive line? And they did not. Will Kentucky's be able to do that? And will Will Levis be able to match Hendon Hooker point for point? I, right now, would lean Tennessee and Hendon Hooker. I think they're the better team yeah. coming in here. They're but And it is at home against Tennessee, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But it, it should be a big matchup. It'll be the all the talk outside of uh, Florida, Georgia, for the NFL draft people with Will Levis uh, facing off against Hendon Hooker. Well, we saw how Bryce Young performed when he needed to score points at Tennessee. Let's see how Will Levis performs when he's under the same pressure because that Tennessee team should score a lot of points. Then we get the backyard brawl, big brother versus little brother, Matt, Michigan State at Michigan. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about this game at all, but I I don't think it's going to be a game. And that's why I say that Michigan is the better team. Uh, maybe little brother can do something, but I, I mean, I know they got him last year. I, I was the only one who actually picked that upset last year for, for our group, but I don't see Michigan State, but they don't have Kenneth Walker on that team to be able to run through that Michigan defense like he did last year. I don't I don't think Michigan State really, un unfortunately, stands much of a chance against that defense. And that running attack of Michigan, I think they're going to win that pretty easily. They do have Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed is at least going to be uh, a return specialist at the NFL level. Let's see how Keon Coleman develops. The last uh, player that I can remember playing both basketball and football at Michigan State was one Matt Trannon. From Pontiac Northern, Pontiac stand up. Look, P Matt Trannon was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Somebody looked that. I don't know where I pulled that from. I don't know where I pulled that from. That had to be 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. All right. Um, yeah, so we'll see all of that next week. Uh, shout out to Roman Hemby. Welcome to the conversation there at Maryland. Connor Wegman gets his first action for Texas A&M. Theo Johnson. Theo Johnson has his best game of his career there at Penn State. So Detroit, stand up. Peace, everybody.